0: Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 131. What every CEO needs to know in a tight labor market. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam
1: and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, Founding Partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated, and right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott.
0: Hi, Pam. It's so great to be back with you again for another episode of Growth Igniter's Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders and their companies to accelerate themselves to their next level of innovation, growth, and success. Well, here we are at the start of the new year, and we're facing a good news, bad news situation here. Especially in the U.S., the economy is doing pretty well in general, and lots of companies are growing, and employment levels are up in many regions. That's true. That's all good news. There's a flip side, and that's that the rising employment is bringing a tighter labor market, especially in some regions.
1: So one response, of course, is to raise wages, which is something that we hear a lot. Sure. And it's certainly a great starting place for attracting the right employees. Mm -hmm. And I emphasize the word attracting. Yeah. But attracting critical talent isn't enough all by itself. Well, sure. We need other responses to retain these people and foster a culture that sustains excellence and innovation and growth. And that starts with the relationships that we create at all levels of the organization.
0: And relationships are built one day at a time based on a lot of things, including the quality of our conversations, how we actually interact with people.
1: And that's why we're delighted to welcome back our colleague and good friend, Judith E. Glazer, who developed the concept of conversational intelligence. Judith is an organizational anthropologist and CEO of Benchmark Communications Incorporated. She's also the chairman of the Creating We Institute. She is the award-winning author of the best-selling books, Creating We and Conversational Intelligence, How Great Leaders Build Trust and Get Extraordinary Results. Judith, welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio. I think you're setting the all-time record for f- guesting spots on Growth Igniter's Radio. We just love having you back.
2: Well, I'm thrilled to be back, uh, Pam and Scott. And I was just thinking about how much I enjoy being on your show. So I'm glad that I could add value to your um, listeners who are, who are dedicated to, yes. to you because you bring such great value. Whoever you interview, you just pull out their wisdom and insights, which is fantastic.
1: Thank you. So let's talk a little bit more about this myth of it's a tight labor market, we'll just raise the compensation, and that will be enough to attract and retain top talent. It has been around for such a long time. And a lot of us talk about, well, no, that's not the way it works.
2: So why do you think it
1: still exists?
2: Well, I can I share a story with you?
0: Sure, absolutely.
2: Okay, so I started my business. I was asked to do a project with Stu Leonard's in Connecticut. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but it's the oh, world's yeah. largest dairy, right? And uh-huh. I, got, I got called up because Stu thought that the challenge was that people wanted to get paid more in the company. And he thought that I had a background in compensation and benefits. And I did have a background and always have in culture, and so when I visited with him, I said, I can do an analysis of what's going on in your culture and give you more insights to see if, in fact, people really want more money or if it's something else. And it turned out to be the something else that they wanted. Hmm. I, I did focus groups way back then. And I actually went to visit Disney World with Stu and his head of HR. Because uh, Disney culture was becoming well-known in search of excellence, right, was in the book. And so we got to fly out and observe their culture. And on the way back, we figured out what we wanted to do at Stu Leonard's. And they still have the same thinking. It wasn't the money part. What happened is that people saw that his family members got promoted to higher leadership levels. And what they wanted was promotion. They wanted to be Uh able to make contributions in better ways in the company, but didn't see how to penetrate the ladder. Ah. Uh
0: You know, it is so true that people really want to be able to make a difference. They want to have the authority and autonomy to do it and the ability to feel like they're going somewhere and it matters.
2: Right. And so you've nailed it. So what they put at every cash register was a ladder. And they put where the person was in the company, how they were rising. And they really gave their employees a chance to go up the ladder in a good way. So everybody wants to know where they fit in so they can bring the value that they've spent their whole life working on
3: to their mm-hmm.
2: their organization. And the pay is only, and, and the benefits are only byproducts of doing mm-hmm. a good job for the company. And they know that and they feel that deeply. They mm-hmm. want to make sure they really contribute. They're not looking for pay for pay's sake. That's true. You
1: know, when I think about it. So many times I've actually encountered people who've said, I will take less money to have my work make a real difference. Mm -hmm. That's one aspect of it. But of course, there's much more to it.
0: Yeah. In fact, we've long known that leaders are accountable for developing their employees, but not necessarily developing a culture of development, which you talk about. Mm -hmm. What's the difference there?
2: When everybody in the culture is appreciated for how they can add value, then they develop the culture and they develop the company and they have a big contribution on money becomes one of the outputs, but it's not the primary thing. It's not just selling a product. It's it's building a culture when everybody's happy and customers come and say, I love shopping at your store. I Mm -hmm. love being here because your employees take such good care of me. That's the bonus that people want to focus on. I I would agree
1: with you. The thing that I want to make sure that our listeners understand is this is different than just saying, okay, what are your development plans for next year? Mm -hmm. Because that might be seen as a culture of development too, but I don't think that is what we are talking about here. We're talking about something above and beyond.
2: Where people actually are developing a culture together. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's that they that they have criteria for what makes a great culture, and that they work on it together. And we created the Stu Leonard University, which is what happened is employees wanted to have a hand in developing the culture. And that's what the meetings were all about, is we brought everybody together so that they could talk about what would make their culture, that they cared enough about the whole culture, not just about their own pocketbook, but how to make the whole organization so when you walk in you can feel that it's different there's a fingerprint that the employees have created together and they have actually a university where people can come from other companies and learn how they develop their culture Ah.
1: That is very different. So Stu Leonard's involvement in this as the CEO had -hmm. to have been critical. I mean, here he was saying, okay, this is going to be something that people are going to be given time for. We're going to allocate resources for it.
2: Right.
1: Not just something that we send people out to, but a true commitment, it sounds like.
2: It was. And employees raised their hand because they wanted to be part of building this whole process. They raised their hands, which was fantastic. He was thrilled. And he had, he had employees who had great singing voices, and they wrote songs that they sang when other companies came to their university. They did skits that they created about what it's like to be in this culture. Beside having the people that came to the university, Stu Leonard's university, tour everything and got to see the, what the employees brought by the interaction. They mm. got to see the physical space was impacted by the, what the employees did as well. It's fascinating.
1: It sounds like quite an exceptional thing that they did. And it really starts with the people at the top who are willing to make that commitment and say, this is the way we're going to shape our culture. This is the way we're going to grow. We're going Mm -hmm. to make sure that people have this ability to participate and shape it as well they had to have had so much experience also with conversational intelligence mm-hmm. to be able to do that
2: and i put put on workshops inside of their organization for the senior executives first and then for the employees we created a conversational cult in a way everybody realized the power of every single interaction they had with either with each other or with the senior teams with their customers every conversation made a difference. They were mindful. It was beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. This is 30 some years later. And they've created seven Stu Leonard stores beside the primary one. And Stu took me out to lunch and said, what should we bring forward in every store? What should we make our culture become? Should every store be the same as what we did in the first store?
1: And so how has that impacted their ability to attract and retain employees?
2: Employees knock on their door all the time and local people, which is even better because those are the people then whose families will consistently shop there because they, they're so proud to say, my son or my daughter works at Stu Leonard's in Tarrytown or wherever it is. And so then they spread the word and their friends all shop at these stores. So it grows the business exponentially.
1: So that's the difference. And mm-hmm. that's what CEOs really need to understand, especially now in a tight labor market and
0: that doesn't just apply to retail it applies to any type of company anywhere
2: exactly
1: so what we're going to do is take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk more with judithy glazer ceo of benchmark communications and chairman of the creating we institute about what exactly conversational intelligence is regarding all of this creating a culture of development stay with us
0: This is Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. We enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of innovation and growth.
1: We'd like to welcome our many new listeners. We're so glad you're joining us. Now, if you're not already subscribed to our Growth Igniters community, you can get even more by signing up. You'll get reminders of our new episodes along with a link to the new episode page where you can find all kinds of resources related to our conversations and Growth Igniter posts on the off weeks. So go to growthignitersradio.com and click on the red sign up now button at the top right of the page. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with Judith E. Glazer, author of Conversational Intelligence, about what CEOs need to know in a tight labor market and how top leadership can shape a culture of development. Judith, You have so many articles, Yeah, going to your website is just, it's a treasure trove of all kinds of information and insights. How can people find out more about you, your books, and Creating We?
2: We have two websites that they should visit. One is a website designed around conversational intelligence. And that's where we also have posted a lot of our blogs, most of our blogs, and I am a voracious reader and writer. So Whatever is on my mind at the time, I will write a blog about it. And, um, and it gets me very excited when people uh, reference it. And thank you for doing that. So that's conversationalintelligence.com. The other is creatingwe.com.
1: Okay. You can also find links to this by going to growthignitersradio.com and scrolling down to the resources for this episode, 131. So Let's get back to our conversation. Now, in our first segment, you were talking about the whole story of how Stu Leonard was able to attract and retain top employees, top talent, by focusing on developing a culture of development. Mm -hmm. And conversational intelligence is part of this. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit for our new listeners about just a, a quick summary of what conversational intelligence is first of all, and then we'll talk a little more about applying that.
2: It's a methodology that I've uh, designed and put together for CEOs who are thinking about building strong cultures and employees, people in the C-suite, any leader who has responsibility for developing a culture and developing teams and developing their business and developing their people. And so I started years ago, my company used to have my name, Judith E. Glazer, and I changed it. And I changed it after I was hired by Random House to write a business dictionary. And I had to come up with 3,500 new business terms that were not in the mainstream dictionary. And that's a lot of new terms. And one of the terms that I fell in love with was the term benchmarking. And it was not in the dictionary. And I named my company after it, Benchmark Communications. I said, what if I could spend my lifetime studying the best communicators in the world and figuring out what they're doing that makes them so good as leaders and as developing a culture, developing their people. And so that is what my company started to focus on. And benchmarking for some people means studying what other people are doing externally. And I know that because I, had a, I was called by Wharton to teach a course with Professor Paul Kleindorfer, who is uh, heading up their benchmarking program. And he asked me to teach it with him. And we had the best time doing it together. And he said it was the best program he ever did. And he focused on external benchmarking. And I said, there's something that all companies need to understand, which I have come to believe is more important, is benchmarking internally. What are they already doing that's great? Mm-hmm. And how do they celebrate their successes? And because that's what employees are doing already. Mm -hmm. And if you bring in external uh, points of view, it's like saying, we're not good enough, we have to copy what other people are doing. And I felt that diminished the brain power and the emotional commitment of employees. So a big takeaway for CEOs is look inside, find the people that are doing amazing things and celebrate them. So when I work with Dryers and Edie's Grand Ice Cream, Gary Rogers every month would find the 10 people that were doing extraordinary things and bring them into his office and celebrate their successes.
1: And that's important. I mean, what you're talking about is focusing on what makes your organization special. And that's where, in my experience, because I've also done a lot with helping organizations to grow, is when you can look at what's special about your own company, your own organization, that's where the power is. And you state that, of course, it's important to speak up. And, you know, that's a tough thing for everyone to do. There was recently a uh, survey that came out from Gallup that was saying that 67% of uh, the people that responded to this survey Uh, had a tough time with communicating in general. How can top leaders exemplify that it's great to speak up, it's great to celebrate if they're uncomfortable with speaking up themselves?
2: If the leaders are uncomfortable speaking up or if people in the company in general are uncomfortable. What I'm
1: saying is both. In other words, we believe that leaders need to be able to exemplify, right? Mm -hmm. How can they get comfortable exemplifying speaking
2: up? Well, what happens is that leaders fall into the trap of speaking up when they see somebody doing something that they don't like. And so they'll point it out and very often do it in meetings so that it embarrasses other employees. Mm. And so if they're working on a project and it's an experimental project where it's set up to have you try different things out, some of which are going to work and some won't work, if leaders learn how to prime for major projects, because a lot of those projects are key projects that help them understand the future of their business and they don't want to blow it and they don't want to make Mm -hmm. a mistake with their customers. So leaders need to understand the concept of priming, priming, how to establish a healthy context to do experiments, which they must do to be successful in the marketplace and compete against others who are in the same market. They have to share stories. They have to learn how to have healthy conversations so they can be candid and honest with each other, and really talk, and sometimes have difficult conversations and make them feel safe. That's critical for a leader, because the leaders that don't do that end up with people being afraid to speak up themselves, Mm -hmm. right? They don't want to be finger pointed at, they're afraid that the leader's going to say, you did something and it was really awful, and I want to talk to you about it. And let's yeah. do it in this meeting so you can get feedback from your colleagues about what they would have done differently. So they embarrass people. Yeah,
0: you don't want to do that. And in fact, that reminds me of a time back when, before I joined Pam, where I had a group, uh, quite a large group of people, and one person came into my office and felt terrible because she had made a mistake. She, she felt she'd made a mistake. She'd done something wrong and i said well were you born knowing this stuff <laughs> you know <laughs> you what know, what what you've done okay it's what what can you learn from this mm-hmm. i didn't know the answer uh it just was something that got her opening up and saying okay well maybe i'm not stupid it's nobody would know what to do how can mm-hmm. we how, how can we do this and it was a question that i used over and over to lots of people you're and- very
2: smart you're very smart because what you are asking are questions for which you did not have answers. Right. And that's what we call one of our conversational essentials.
0: Okay. So how is this different from constructive criticism?
2: There's, they're not connected at all. Constructive criticism is, I think, in te- you're asking questions like you want you ask somebody um, a question where you don't have an answer, where you weren't guiding them to answer yeah. in a certain way that you, that you would have answered it. It's, it gets people to be thoughtful and to think mm-hmm. about what's important to them,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. because leading questions are the questions that a lot of leaders go for, as they ask a question where they actually have the answer. Ah, okay. Where and, they're
1: trying to they're trying to lead people to what they want them to say, to say which exactly. isn't necessarily going to be the best answer for everybody involved.
2: Right. right, it's you're taking away the person's voice, or you're putting your your intentions and your voice into their mind. And people feel that, by the way, when you say, speak up and tell me what you think, and then you don't let them really (laughs) share what they think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or you say, you're wrong.
2: Yeah, exactly. I've
0: actually heard. Hey,
2: that's candor, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's criticism. It's It's a different C. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so we're seeing the workplace now where people are saying, well, I just, I want to be candid with you here.
3: Mm-hmm. and
1: uh,
2: I'll just tell you what I really think. Well, no wonder, bom, bom, people, bom. no wonder people are uncomfortable. There's a way to do that, though, Pam, the, the, and they, it's three Cs. You put care, show that you care first, mm-hmm. and then have the courage, if you want to speak up about something, have the courage to do it, but do it in a way where you notice how it's going to impact somebody. You think about that first. You're not mm-hmm. doing it just because you want to show that you're smart or come out as being somebody who's smart. If you want to be candid and share something with someone, you prepare them. I've been thinking about having a conversation with you, and and it it had a lot of difficulty for me. I wanted it to expand our relationship and help us become better colleagues and friends. But I realized that it had some challenge in it, and I wanted to make sure that it landed for you in the right place. I Mm -hmm. wanted it to help build our relationship and not have a negative impact on it. So are you comfortable with me bringing up a topic that my gut tells me both of us wanted to talk about? It might feel a little difficult at first, but let's create a space where we can have this conversation because I think about it a lot. And I know it's important for us to have a conversation about how we're working together. And I want to make sure that I get your thoughts about what would make our relationship go from, let's say, a five to a 10, if 10 is the best. I'd love to know what your thoughts are about what would make our relationship or even this conversation be one of the best that we've ever had with each other.
0: Wow. So it's calling out the elephant in the room and and making space to get comfortable with that.
2: Yes. Uh
0: ah. mm-hmm.
1: There was one other thing that I wanted to get to before our break. And this is interesting. In one of your articles, you stated that in most meetings, declarative statements outweigh questions by a large margin. Mm -hmm. So that to me is very challenging. I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about, which is we're trying to lead people to something. I suppose if somebody is uncomfortable with communication in general, maybe that's why they put so much emphasis on crafting great structure. I, I don't know. Here, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that people do this?
2: Uh, well, structure, structuring conversations, having agendas is a good idea. So people can come prepared. If mm-hmm. you send out an agenda and say, what would you like to put on the agenda? It's very different than saying, this is my agenda. Uh-huh. Okay. I want to know. So I, I had a, a client from Verizon who would put together meetings and he, he made the agendas and I said, what's going on? He said, people aren't speaking up. I said, let me, let's figure out why let's deconstruct it together. And it turned out that he built the agenda. And I said, have you ever tried sending out the agenda to people in advance and having them add the things that they wanted to make sure were covered? He said, no. I said that That means you go from telling them what you wanted to talk about to asking them what they want to talk about. I said, it's going to change their whole mindset coming to the meeting. He said, I never thought of doing that. I said, said, yeah, would you want to give it a shot? And he did. And it was the best meeting that they ever had. In fact, I got a call from the people on his team the next day. They said, what did you give my boss to drink? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: It makes a big difference, and asking questions is certainly the best Mm -hmm. place to start.
0: comes back to co-creating. It does. So
1: we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk more with Judith E. Glazer, CEO of Creating We. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, on the web at businessadvance.com. Pam, we've been speaking about using conversational intelligence to help people become their best selves. And as we've just talked about, one of the things that we have to overcome is our discomfort with raising issues that can be uncomfortable. You know, the elephant's in the room. Yes. Now, we've written a Harper report on this very issue. What are three reasons that people should read it?
1: Well, the first is that calling out the elephant in the room is probably one of the more difficult things to do because it can look like different things, right? Yeah. We spoke about one way that it appears, but it can be others.
0: Sure. And people may not even be aware that there's an elephant in the room.
1: That's right. A second reason is that we talk about the food that feeds these elephants and that makes them grow big. Right. You don't want that. So you (laughs) want to find the food you want to take away as soon as possible. And this report does talk about that. So
0: how does starve out those elephants. So what's the third reason?
1: The third reason is that we offer practical advice on how you can actually take control of the elephants in the room, and it's a great starting point.
0: So go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 131, and request our complimentary copy of the report, How to Take Control of the Elephants in the Room. While you're at it, check out our other free resources and episodes of Growth Igniters Radio.
1: Welcome back to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with Judith E. Glazer, CEO of Benchmark Communications and author of Conversational Intelligence, about what CEOs need to know, especially in a tight labor market, for attracting and retaining top talent. Judith, can you tell us again how people can find out more about you and your books and creating WE?
2: Yep. We have two websites. One is creatingwe.com, which represents benchmark communications and, and the array of things that we do at the Creating We Institute and what we're committed to develop with and for our clients. And then the other website is conversationalintelligence.com, which focuses on the book and, and it has our blogs, our CIQ blogs as well.
1: And just a reminder that you can also get links to Judith's website and articles by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 131 and scrolling down under resources. If we're talking about leading a cultural shift, of course, we've been saying that it starts with top leadership and the conversations are influenced by establishing new habits of thought. So let's talk about a few ways that people can do this. What is the first way?
2: I'll give you the first way in a story. A client of mine, they demonstrated a great way to, to bring conversational intelligence into their culture, The first most important way was that um, I was out in California working with them at a conference where the top 250 executives were invited to come, and the CEO and his direct reports were on the stage directing the meeting. And periodically, the CEO would use one of the conversational essentials that we have, um, and, and he would call it out as an essential so he uh, somebody would ask a question and he'd say, let me double click on that. One of our essentials is double clicking. Okay. So that's to open up a conversation, to go deeper and to really explore what's on the leader's mind. And so it showed that the CEO was curious about what the person was really thinking when they asked a question to the whole leadership team. So he said, let me double click on that with you. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful. The whole room lit up. You could see their faces like the CEO really cares what we're thinking and wants to make sure that he's got it right. He's not just answering a question, an information Mm -hmm. question, but he cares what what we want to know really and why.
0: So digging deeper conveys that I'm not just waiting to talk myself. I'm actually listening. And by getting greater understanding, I can meet all of our needs better.
1: I think the other thing, too, is that he was exemplifying. Mm -hmm. He was exemplifying the fact that he wanted to have people pay attention to uh, going deeper. So he wasn't just saying, you people do this. Mm -hmm. He was saying, I do this.
2: He was role modeling it for people so they could see how to do it in a gracious way. Mm -hmm. It, it demonstrates caring, not Mm -hmm. that not that he wanted to have the answers, but that he wanted to bring out the insights of the people in his room, his workforce, he wanted to listen better. And another one is listening to connect, not judge or reject. Mm -hmm. That's another essential. So it shows that he was listening, and he was caring about the people who work for him, that they weren't just making money for him that that he cared about them as human beings and what they were thinking and what they needed to know more about.
1: Just to clarify, Judith, I want to double click a little bit on double click, just Mm -hmm. to make sure that somebody could actually use it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Immediately actionable idea. If somebody wanted to double click, what could they do to do that?
2: They could say thank you so much for sharing more of your thoughts that really helped me understand what you're looking for. It gives me clarity on what you asked me to share with you, whatever it is that they're talking about. It gives us a chance to really go deeper into what the underpinnings are. What's the foundation of your question? I wanna make sure I understand so that I give you what you need. So it strengthens our relationship when we double click. And it it strengthens my ability to provide you what you need Mm -hmm. next for me. Yeah,
1: I would say, and I mean, just right now, in a sense, wouldn't you say that we double-clicked on what it means to double-click? Double-click,
2: yes, exactly. But okay,
1: so let's, let's take that. Let's go to something else. What would be another immediately useful idea? Somebody listens uh, right now, and as soon as they're done, they could do this.
2: Okay, uh, another one is what we call conversational agility. Conversational agility is where you're in a conversation, and you hear a topic that somebody wants to talk about, and instead of saying, I don't want to talk about that. They say, you can say to them, let me reframe your question. Let me reframe the topic that we're talking about. Are you comfortable if I reframe it this way? Which gives a person a better chance to participate in the conversation if they're not sure they were comfortable going where the question was going. So let me reframe. So if a leader says, I want you to share with me the things that aren't going right for you and- a person might say, are you comfortable having me reframe that to all the things that that are going well first? Would you be comfortable Mm -hmm. with me doing it in that order? This Mm -hmm. is what's great about working here. Because sometimes leaders want to know what they can change and miss the celebrating part. So
1: what you could say is it's looking at a different way of taking the same issue, but taking it from a more positive standpoint, perhaps than somebody coming in and saying, well, here's everything that's wrong. Well, can we talk about a few of the
2: things that are right? Right. And so if you double click first and say, is your question leading to what you want underneath the surface? Tell me if this is where where you want to go with that. You want to understand what you as a CEO could put more time, energy, and money in to help build and strengthen your business and your culture. Help me with this. Is this where you might be leading with this question? I want to double click so I see where you're going with this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if and if the double click doesn't get you clarity, then you could say, "Can we reframe it?" You know that's another way of helping get at engaging with the c e o in front of you and keep in mind there's a whole audience of people there. And Mm -hmm. nobody wants to look bad in front of the rest, the top executives in the company. So you want to make sure you're answering the questions that are really on the table.
1: The other thing I was thinking is that, of course, we've been talking about CEOs and employees, but of course, there's CEOs and their boards Mm -hmm. and that this applies all the way through. I mean, this is for anybody, right?
2: It's fascinating to see how it works with boards because I've coached boards. And so, and I've gotten to look at board agendas and I'll be able to identify that they have a a lot of times the agendas are working the problems and I like to shift things from problems to aspirations. Yeah. I say, you know, is there an opportunity in your board meeting to talk about where your company wants to go next? What are the aspirations Mm -hmm. that you have as an organization?
0: Yeah. And building on that, it's great that you mentioned that because Pam and I, talk about how important aspirational thinking is, aspirational conversation is, Mm -hmm. because it opens up the mind instead Mm -hmm. of shutting it down. When you talk about problems, you you get tense, the cortisol goes up. Uh, Talking about aspirations, uh, it relaxes the mind, it becomes more creative. You're doing Mm -hmm. the same stuff. But your, your neurochemistry is such that thinking is just clearer and better and more nimble and agile, as, as you say. So
2: great point. Yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this because it uses different parts of the brain. Absolutely. Um, one activates the lower brain, the primitive brain and the limbic brain, which is what's going to produce, that's the fear hormone gets mm-hmm. activated. Yeah. That's what you were talking about. So thank you for introducing that. That's so important. When we talk about our dreams, that's the prefrontal cortex and the heart connection. hmm and that's producing a lot more oxytocin because most likely what we're going to be doing is doing something different with others, and that's the oxytocin producing. And then dopamine makes us feel good; it re- it's the part of the reward system. Yeah, yeah. Leaders make a big difference in the way their culture feels based on the three segments that we've been talking about. Uh-huh. You can, you've taken us into a great place where we can reinforce that by shifting the culture towards. Celebrating successes, not just working on problems. In fact, instead of working on problems, the problems get solved when you when you can celebrate some more of the successes. What are we already doing that's good and great, and what makes us feel good as a culture? What develops a strong culture, strong partnerships, strong teams?
1: Exactly. exactly. Great suggestion. So, Judith. That takes us full circle. Is there a final thought that you'd like to leave us with?
2: That having worked with some companies, that when they started out, they were two hundred and fifty million. And when we were done working on our projects, shifting the culture, whether it's it's a board or whether it's this senior executive team, or it's strategies for how to take this into a whole culture and do a whole culture transformation. We've seen companies go from 250 million to 4.9 billion. Wow. So it's exciting. It's exciting and it's profitable to, mm-hmm. to invest in bringing CIQ into a company. If you have huge goals for the future, whether you're a company that's in a competitive marketplace and wants to know how to be more competitive, whether you see the, the competition for the labor market that we started out talking about, how do we get the best people? you engage them in transformational projects where they can put their fingerprint out there a little bit and bring their dreams to life. That's well, what attracts great, great employees.
1: Well, thank you, Judith, for being our guest
2: once again on Growth Igniter's radio. I love, I love our conversation. So- Thank you for inviting me back again.
0: We love them too, Judith. Thank you so much. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, read Judith's bio, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 131.
1: Until next time, this is Pam Harper
0: and Scott Harper, wishing
1: you continued success and leaving you with this thought to discuss with your
0: team. How can we use conversational intelligence to become the employer of choice, especially in a tight labor market?